Customer engagement used to be all nice restaurants and tea times. But with Zoom Info, you can engage with the right customers across all channels from one platform. Engage customers at zoominfo.com. Zoom Info, how business goes to market. Welcome to another episode of the Outside Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Network. I'm your host, Dio Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes. Emphasis on the chill because holy hell, it's been cold the last week or so. Hope everybody had a merry and safe Christmas. Happy holidays. Uh, Kwanzaa's going on right now. Uh, happy Hanukkah to all the Jewish listeners. Uh, appreciate everybody's listenership and readership on the site. Speaking of which, we have Dave Early on the line. He wrote a piece that was very interesting last week. As we all know, Sam Cassell, one of the Sixers assistant coaches, has been hired on this epic coaching staff that has guided the Sixers to, so far, a 2-1 record. Uh, We will not talk about the Cavaliers' loss at all (laughs) today because it's just too painful. How do, Dave, seriously, how did we lose that game? Cleveland coming off a of back-to-back with them going to, what was that, double overtime? They, uh, they just ran them off the floor. It wasn't even close at all. They, uh, they were up and down. They, they had, you know, it was the second of back-to-back for us. And we know from watching, if you, if you rest Joel in that second of back-to-back and it's in a city – where like a lot of people won't be watching, you might get one of these efforts from the Sixers over the last few years. We've seen that. So I wasn't surprised. I actually bet like four bucks that the Cavs would win. And I won 10 bucks on that. So not bad, not bad. You get, so, you get to know your Sixers a little bit, right? <laughs> so you know what? Listen, I am not against betting against the Sixers because of the simple fact that winning cures everything, winning games, winning money. It's all the same to me. Four four bucks isn't enough to get me interested in rooting against them, but it's like, <laughs> but, but if I'm right, <laughs> listen, ten to, changing four dollars to ten dollars. Hey, that's just a couple of extra Wendy's, uh, Wendy's five dollar big bags. That's all that is. That's all that is. You're looking at this all wrong, Dave. I should get on that rookie. Um, what is it? The rookies go to Popeyes for the veterans. Yes. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's Chick-fil-A. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just make sure that if you're bringing for the rest of the Liberty Ballers crew, uh, just make sure that you bring enough biscuits for everybody. Oh, that could be rough. You don't need that. You don't want that. At least we don't have appetites like the Sixers do. Oh, thank God. Do you have any idea how much money we would cost in the, the rookie staff writers? I don't how, many, how many biscuits? I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think. See, now, now I'm thinking about Chick-fil-A and or Popeye's biscuits. God damn. Yeah, I haven't eaten yet either. Jesus. All right. Um, so you penned a column last week, and it was about Sam Cassell, and you mentioned bringing some of the clutch city to Philly's young core. I honestly kind of read it the wrong way. Cause I thought it was like clutch city in terms of like something like the clutch gene, which I, I do not subscribe to that at all whatsoever. Okay. So when let's, let's just start there real quick because you know, the, the word clutch gets thrown around all over sports, no matter what sport you're playing, it could be, it could be, freaking cricket for all i care there's always there's always a clutch gene in every sport do you subscribe to the idea of the clutch gene i mean not literally i don't literally think there's a gene um 
but I, I do think that there probably is a significant genetic component to many, many things. I think as by the time we're like adults, we're sort of cocktails of our genes and our environment and our upbringing and all that. So I think it's usually more complicated than we're capable of understanding. And so I do think there are probably, you know, there's certainly like personality types who have a lower baseline anxiety level. And so at the time where your heart rate is elevated, someone like that might feel a lot more calm than I would. Maybe my heart would be pounding at a much higher rate. Uh, and if someone else is not at all, you know, you hear these stories of like heroes. What was the one in Philly, like catching babies out a window? Uh, that, uh, the, the fire, the, the fire, um, it's just some random dude. I think it was like in Northeast, in Northville or something. I don't know what that was. The, he was the, catching babies. And meanwhile, they're, you know, the, the million dollar paid wide receivers couldn't catch them. I still debate that story. Like, were you really just catching, like throwing babies <laughs> out of windows, my man? Like, I debate that story, okay? I'm sorry. I need video. All right, that's fair. That's fair. But I, <laughs> I, do, I do think that there is, like, a genetic component. And I think it probably has to do with, like, you know, your resting heart rate, your anxiety, your, your family history, and things like that. So that if you were in a high-pressure moment, you might perform your best and someone else might get a little clammy. Now, for sure, Jordan had this thing. Kobe had this thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm still on the fence about LeBron having this quote-unquote clutch gene. I mean, he'll make the right basketball IQ moves, but, you know, a lot of people are just like, oh, LeBron should be taking that last shot. Just, no, you take the – you look for the best open shot. But anyway. I, I'm, yeah, I, I'm someone who would say that Jordan certainly had it, uh, and LeBron maybe not to the same degree. Um, I think it's still, and then like Tom Brady clearly has it, but maybe Peyton Manning didn't, he would get a little bit, a little bit noticeably tight in some of those bigger moments. He got a little jittery, a little jittery <laughs> and, and LeBron, LeBron can too. So when you were discussing clutch city, we're obviously talking about the Elijah Wan Houston Rockets and Cassell was definitely on those teams. And you think back Nobody ever really mentions Cassell. Everybody mentions Elijah Wan and Ori and uh, Kenny Smith. Like Sam Cassell had like the edge on that team. He was like, uh, he was like the Matt Barnes before Matt Barnes for those Rockets. Does that make sense? He was. He was better than a Matt Barnes. He was. He was huge. I mean, I know he was an older rookie. He was like twenty four. You don't usually see that these days, right? But to have earned his coach's trust where he's going to say, I'm going to bench this 29 year old who shoots 40% from three. And I'm going to put the rookie in there that you know, that he earned that over the course of that year um, by being very poised and mature beyond his years. So and when you look up Cassell stats in those finals, for example, let's just go to the finals in the 94 finals, the ones against the Knicks, you know, Cassell was solid, you know, 10 points a game, shot about 44% from three. Like that's, and like you said, like older rookie coming in, shooting the, shooting the lights out in an NBA finals series against the New York Knicks and Patrick Ewing. I mean, not like, like we've seen some finals where I don't like, it's like three, nothing or three to one. 
and maybe someone on Golden State gets hot, like Barbosa. To me, that's, Barbosa. Di- that's I don't know. That's different, right? <laughs> because Cell did it at MSG with fans in a high-pressure moment. Like, if he missed that shot, they probably lose the series. Unbelievable. And he, de- and he delivered it, so. And then the very next year, it was Orlando. You know, again, he was the fifth-leading scorer on the team, 14 points. But at the same time, shot damn near 50% from three. Like, this is back-to-back years. And he did it the rest of his career. He had some late runs there with Minnesota. He was just just a clutch player. And the the Cassell I always remember is the one from the 01, the 2000-2001 Milwaukee Bucks team, which, Mm -hmm. honestly... I've been on record as stating, I don't know how the hell the Sixers won mm-hmm. that series in seven games. Sell, Ray Cassell, Allen, and Big Dog, Arch- Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson. I mean, the Michael, second. Michael Red, Jesus. Yeah. I don't know how the hell the Sixers pulled that off, but they did. And they did so with Cassell just kind of going back to his old Houston days, you know, getting everybody in there, calming everybody down. Ray Allen was still pretty young. In, it was only his fourth year in the league. And you know what? They're giving the Sixers the business, sometimes in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about the clutch city aspect of Sam Cassell on the bench, like I'm excited to, you know, get um, dive a little bit more into this concept that you pose to, you know, the, the Sixers and uh, the, the fans and the Liberty Ballers Nation here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you've got it. Like you said, we obviously always talk about Olajuwon and Robert Ori to a certain degree has gotten some very well-deserved publicity. You know, what does he have, like seven rings for drilling huge shots and big moments, but not enough people realize that with Robert, Robert Ori has seven rings, one <laughs> ring for every big shot he's made in his career. It's just incredible, and he, he, like Sam, just had this something, this poise about him where, like, if the game was on the line, you just need him out there. And he always cashed in every damn time. Yeah, I felt like it. And in 95, when it was basically just Hakeem versus Shaq, but here's, here's little Sam Cassell shooting 50% from three. Like, he, he dropped 31 in, in the second game of that series. Yeah, unbelievable. Almost. Like, yeah. that's where all the, the focus was all on Elijah Wan versus Shaq. But then it just turned into Houston versus Shaquille O'Neal. And, and so it's, it's interesting because you want someone like that on the staff. I think Doc recently said, maybe it was Tom West, our guy who reported, um, I forget who, who wrote it, but someone was talking about how Doc said, I think that Sam is bar none one of the best player development coaches in the league. And this is the type of guy you want around our young guards. And we just lost Cork Moss for at least two weeks. Yeah. So you start to think, well, Tyrese Max is going to get a chance to step in and hopefully he's, he's listening to Sam because Sam knows a little something about just getting thrust out there at a young inexperienced moment and, and having to deliver shake Milton, obviously will get a bigger role. Um, curious if Isaiah Joe fills in because you know Ferk is the bomber, right? 
that'll be fun yeah <laughs> just all the all the weird isaiah joe isaiah bible references i don't, I don't know how the <laughs> hell that would happen i have a hard time spelling his name too because he's got the i-a-a-h way oh okay yeah but that's that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. like isaiah <laughs> thomas is spelled one way mm-hmm. and then the the five four isaiah thomas is spelled a different way and now there's the isaiah joe with like two i's and three a's in it somehow it just, it just none of it makes any damn sense like there should be one uniform way to spell isaiah people come on and it doesn't have a z in it <laughs> no z in it like jesus <laughs> with cassell i think the biggest plus bringing him in and you say he's one of the better player development guys out there and immediately i start with ben simmons because i just said you know what he's not a guard but still Sam can teach him a few things about, you know, edge, which is more or less what I wanted more from Simmons. I wanted him to just attack a hell of a lot more. Yeah, they're almost an odd pairing because Sam's game was so mid-range pull-up. And he had a game which was very effective in those days that is talked about as antiquated now. Like he yeah. took a lot of long twos, I guess. He would get into the paint. He would stop and pull up. And Simmons never does that. Simmons doesn't stop and pull up on anything. I mean, I do love the, I do appreciate the nice little jump hook in the paint that he has. Like I, that should be his number one shot. Like if we're being completely honest. Yeah. So it makes me curious. Like I'd love to be a fly on the wall for what they're working on. Like what, what is Sam providing him with these days? Cause it'd be very interesting. And also let it not be forgotten that, Sam Cassell was a pretty damn good defender too. Like he never, he never went to, you know, like he was never all NBA or anything like that, but at the same time, he wasn't completely useless on defense either. No, uh, you got, and you got Doc Rivers there too, who was, uh, who was a good two-way player himself. And all these, all this point guard information that's coming in from Doc and Sam Cassell, have you noticed any, blaring changes in Simmons so far in three games? Um, I wouldn't say that. Let's like, to be fair, the, the effort level and the, um, it just wasn't there from the Wizards and the Knicks. So I, I'm hesitant to take any sweeping conclusions from those games. You're hesitant on hyperbole three games in? Yeah, like I know, I know Kevin Rice, our guy, did a really cool breakdown and posted on his Twitter, and he talked about like a little bit of um, I think it was chemistry between Maxi and Dwight, I want to say, uh, and they were finding the space, and um, it was a really really great breakdown. But like at the end of the day, it's the Knicks, so you wonder is this going to be something we see when they play a real basketball team or? <laughs> now i have okay now let, let's just go off on a little tangent real quick just real fast i just want to point out to everybody let's not anoint the brooklyn nets right now let's not not that. prepared to huh no they played they played golden state a team that plays negative defense and mm-hmm. they played boston without kemba walker right yeah i'm not ready to anoint brooklyn for anything just yet so everybody that's out there that's like, oh my God, Brooklyn has scored like 275 points in two games, just given the Eastern Conference. No, no. Let's see them go up against a fully functioning roster with all their healthy players and a team that plays defense. 
yeah. They have Memphis coming up. So, like, yeah, let's see how they do against Memphis. I think but, they're tanking that game. They're not going to have Durant or Kyrie. See, damn it. Like, how, when's the next and time? Just, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You go ahead and try to I, – I guess they're not trying – I guess they're not trading for Harden now, I guess. I think they're going to – yeah, I think they're, that probably hurts their chances quite a bit. But back to – Cassell and his influence on the team, especially the rookies, because I do kind of agree that Maxi coming in can learn from a lot. He can learn a lot from Cassell, given, like you said, what he did in his first two years in the league, just being part of a great uh, duo of, um, not not a duo, just a great pair of NBA championships in the 94-95 Rockets. Yeah, I mean, he... He was so lethal, and I grew up a Knicks fan, and I'm old enough to remember those games. That's a damn shame. <laughs> and do you know? Do you know how Game Four at home, when the Sixers hosted the Raptors, and they could have, if they had won that game, they're up three to one over the champs, and so that game sticks out in your mind as like that was the one. We only lost it by three or four, I think. Kawhi hit this monster three in Joel's face. Uh, Sam Cassell did that in the NBA finals as a rookie. And he just was in there and uh, Hakeem kicked it out to him and he drilled it. And and that shot ended up being maybe the biggest shot, arguably in the whole series. Um, I know it was only game three, but it stole home court back. (laughs) You'd say that Sam Cassell pulls at your, your heart more as a young Knicks fan. Uh, I only have, um, uh, four words for you. Uh, eight points in nine seconds. No, no. Reggie Miller had me under, <laughs> under the. Reggie Miller had me under the bed convulsing. <laughs> Reggie, I Miller, was like sucking my thumb for months. <laughs> Reggie Miller had you under the bed doing nuclear bomb techniques from like the 1980s. And I hadn't even learned them. Yeah, I was just like hiding <laughs> under hiding under a chair. <laughs> oh man. Um. But but Cassell's got to get got to get a nod there too. Like he's on that um, villain list. Uh, there there there's quite a there's quite a few villains in in Nick's Lord. But like that, that again, that's a whole another podcast. But um, Sam's the one we can say actually maybe cost him a championship. And so I'm, I'm excited for him <laughs> to be the guy talking to Maxi because it's a weird year, right? Like it's a pandemic year. year. You you you've seen football and like. You see these games where it's like the third string, both third string quarterbacks are in. Or, you know, or the Browns yesterday that had no, none, no of players, none of the top four receivers. So, so there's a good chance that this, this year is, is decided on people like Tyrese Maxey. You know, like there's going to be a team by the time we're at the final four who's trusting someone that you don't expect for sure. And there's a little added randomness. So you, you want a guy like Sam on your staff, I think. There are a lot of – there are a couple of new faces on the Sixers team. And when you talk and think about who, you know, might step more into that role that you know, we were talking about, like just Cassell just stepping in, just like, bang, here you go. Um, could it be more a veteran like Danny Green or Seth Curry that might get – you know, he, he might have that shine or DC maybe like Maxi or Shake Milton kind of stepping through and just being like, okay, I'm here now. The guy that comes to mind 
uh, is Shake. I mean, he does – he looks stronger. I know there was a lot talked about. He put on a few a few pounds of muscle this offseason. And it's obvious that he already – I mean, he dropped 39 on Doc Rivers, right? So Doc knows that he has game. And we're seeing Doc lean on him pretty early. So if I had to put my money on a guy who would see huge, huge minutes, closing minutes in a big game, it would be Shake. And, uh, you know, Shake has that game winner against the Spurs on his belt. He has that national TV game where he just went berserk against the Clippers. So I think he's got a little bit of that gene in him. Um, I was critical of him on Twitter. There was a moment for him to maybe hit a game winner against Golden State, but he was pouting a little bit. So I think <laughs> – and we and then we saw a little bit more of that uh, anger come out in the bubble. So he's he's kind of like a fiery personality um, in a quiet way, right? And and Shake and Shake and Embiid were going at it in the bubble, like those first couple of games. They exactly. Were Joel said something, and Shake was like, "Oh, I'm not that dude. You cannot Shake, say that." To Shake me. is not backing down to anybody. Like no. nobody wants that smoke from Shake. <laughs> no, and Joel Joel is an enormous man. <laughs> Joel is an enormous human being. <laughs> yeah, I might, I might have taken a little, uh, little smack from Joel, but not Shake. So I, I credit him for that. Kevin, <laughs> our our editor, uh, Kevin Love wrote a piece about rotations, and to close out a game, talking about Shake. Do you feel good about having him? out there now as opposed to like Danny Green or Seth Curry in the lineup? I mean, obviously you have to have one of Curry or Green, but has Shake earned that? I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Um, I think I think the best route is to mix and match and make those decisions on a nightly basis, not necessarily just on veteran basis. You know, if, if he's playing well, uh, we can certainly use ball handling because if you don't have him out there, you don't have any uh, half-court creators other than a post-up. And how about the, the hot hand theory? You know, if, if Danny Green is or Seth Curry is, like, really hot, or both of them, like, if they're both hot, then what, what do you do? Or just like, okay, we're just running this for the last, like, six minutes? Or is Doc just thinking to himself, you know what? I'm out here to prove that I can make Shake Milton six man of the year. So I'm going to throw him out there too. I actually, I took classes with um, Tom, Tom Gilovich, Dr. Gilovich at Cornell, who wrote the, wrote that original paper. He co-wrote that original paper about the high hand theory. All right. So, all right. Name dropper. Calm down over there. I'm getting, I'm getting excited. I have to, I have to <laughs> drop that name. Cause he was one of my all time, <laughs> all-time favorite professors all right shout, so, shout out to professor yeah if you can sneak in a shout out to one of your best teachers you got to do it right I, I guess so yeah you're right you're right hashtag, hashtag education um, hashtag education for sure <laughs> and and i i played pickup with him once or twice he would play pickup like with the students and i asked him like do you really think there's no such thing as a hot hand and he was like that's what we found um, and so I think people like Daryl Morey have probably read a lot about it. And I think Mike D'Antoni, his former coach, has probably thought about it and thought like, you know, what are the analytics of it? Is it better to have an open look from literally anyone than it is a good a contested look by one of your best shooters? Like, would you rather Joel take a wide open 10 foot open three or would you rather Seth take one with like a hand up? Uh, me personally, probably, yeah. probably Seth, just because, you know, he, he's 
been doing it at a better clip than Joel. Like there's yeah, a reason yeah. there's a reason why Curry shoots 40 plus percent from three for a career. <laughs> there's a reason for that. And and Joel is something in the 44% range of, for his career. Staggering. Yeah. Yeah, and and Bead hovers in like the high twenties, which is great for a center. But you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's not the shot I want. <laughs> right, right. So I think those are the types of questions you ask. And and if the guy's on fire, I do think Doc will probably go with him. And if that turns out not to work out, I bet you Daryl will let him know. Like you know, <laughs> you went, you're going with this momentum theory, but it is not working out for us. <laughs> you brought up Corkmas being out for a few weeks and it's it's a shame because he had a really good bubble and he came out looking pretty damn good in three games and yeah brett brown always talked about with him he was trying to grow a bomber and they he did so i i feel like he's gonna lose a little bit while he's on while he's on the shelf and you know i don't know what that's gonna do to his game if he you know, loses it or just like comes out flat the next time he takes the court. Are you worried about that at all? Or do you think like Sam is in there just kind of giving him little mental activities to do to keep his mind fresh? I, I do think that it takes some time. Um, I was reading, what was I reading? The Obi Toppin on the Knicks <laughs> has, has a calf strain and he can't put any weight on it at all. Good Lord. Um, so I'm thinking like sometimes these – can we call what – what does he have, an abductor? Is that a soft tissue injury? Is that the groin? Yeah. I think that those can linger if you were not conservative. So, you know, I think the, the best prescription right now is probably just a lot of rest, mm-hmm. which, which can take you out of your, your rhythm. And that's kind of what I worry about, but at the same time, there's always the mental aspect to it. So if you if you keep your mind fresh, like maybe it just comes back, like it just repetition just makes it come back. And you know the old you know the old story: shooter's gonna shoot. What's up? He's not gonna lose his his form. Like his form will no be, no no no. That, nice. Yeah. But yeah, he uh, he'll he'll lose some of that other important stuff here alluding to what what's the deal with the vr can we get him hooked up on vr i remember markel fultz was using it to like hey 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 let's not listen markel had a really had a really nice game against the wizards let's just <laughs> uh let's just let's just chill on on markel like he's the, I, i'm happy for the kid I'm, I'm glad he's doing well you're not buying the the hype uh, I, I mean, I, I would buy a lot of stock on Markel Fultz if it's, if it's just low. If I can get him for, you know, penny stock. It's not low great. anymore. Orlando Magic were just taking a victory lap on social media saying, like, he's worth the money. All right, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> I think, they, what do they give him now, $16 million a year or something? Calm, calm down, Orlando Magic. <laughs> just, just, just settle down on that a little bit. Would uh, you rather have him or Maxi right now? I'd definitely rather have Maxi right now. Yeah. Because, I mean, he, he's younger, and Maxie's already shown flashes of what Markel should have been, is he not? He, he kind of, like, he knifes through the pain. I'm trying to think who he reminds me of. It, it, it's too easy to make a comparison to Shea Gilgis because it really they both is. went to Kentucky. Um, but when you see him sort of, like, get skinny – and squeeze between two defenders and finish with either hand, it does make me think of him once in a while. Oh, and he also has the low release on his jumper. 
and he has such a wide assortment of you know runners and floaters like he's coming right. up with, he's coming up with stuff on the fly that i've never seen before right right when you think of shea you think of like footwork and sneaky tricks and really unpredictable basketball and, and maxi has some of that before zoom info business wins took a lot of time energy and patience but today, ZoomInfo aligns your sales and marketing teams, identifies ideal customers faster, and automates your go-to-market strategy. So you can scale up and get on the fast track to marketplace domination. And that's how winners win. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo, how business goes to market. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline something that you wrote about and this is towards the end of it you said the young players on the Sixers will earn opportunities to eat the veterans minutes which one of them shines so let's let's let me dissect that question a little bit Mm -hmm. which veteran could you see getting less minutes taken from them and given to a rookie or a younger or a younger player we'll say we we did see the Lakers transition from leaning heavily on Danny Green to trusting more and more Caldwell Pope or Alex Caruso for God's sake or Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso was in there for some big minutes for his on ball defense. Uh, And Danny Green is, is not a guy where a coach like Frank Vogel or, you know, Nick nurse or doc rivers is going to not trust him, but right if you're looking for someone to offer something else. And when, if you talk about a lineup of Ben, Joel, Harris, Curry, and green, you're really not talking about, you know, the tough, tough baskets that you're getting against a great defense at the end of a season. Who's doing that? You can't just throw the ball to drew holiday and ask him to create. You can't just throw it to like Lou Williams who can hit a step back. So I think there's a good chance a guy like Shake steals some of Danny Green's minutes, uh, you know, between Green or, or Seth, whoever plays better D and shoots. I think I know where you're going with this because, like, Shake getting minutes over Danny Green kind of makes sense just because Shake can do more than just catch and shoot. Like, he's a it really does, good yeah. catch and shoot guy, but he can also initiate in the pick and roll. He can do some ball handling. He can do so much more to – keep the di- the offense dynamic especially closeout games that's important i agree it's i think it's true so i think that that would be a natural sub that you might see moving forward in crunch time so shake is definitely gonna steal some minutes yep. um i talked about this with tom during the season preview and i don't know if you're willing to go out on a limb after three games tom definitely was not after one game but between now and the end of the season, like at the end of the season, how many minutes will Maxi average and how many should he average? Hmm, that's a tough question. I don't Very know. Very tough question. What, what has he gotten so far? Do you know? Off the top of my head, I believe he's gotten 
12 minutes or less in two games, and he got more in the Cleveland game because it was just kind of a blowout situation. All right, I'm going to look this up here. Yeah. Um, He's gotten so, 13.7 minutes in three games. Now, we've had two blowouts, really, right? Two blowouts, right. So probably going to take the under on the 13.7. And I'm going to um, say that that's fair. I would think he gets less than that throughout the regular season. Um, but if, if you need a bold prediction, I think that there's absolutely room for him to seize like heavy playoff rotation minutes and steal and still work. Oh, really? Yeah. I think, you know, you know what Seth Curry is. And so he's, he's a pretty projectable NBA veteran at this point. He's about 30. He's going to drill threes. He's going to give you some hard on ball defense. He's not going to do a ton of other things. So if Maxi can do that, if Maxi can get fouled in the way that maybe an Alec Burks was able to last year, um, the Sixers are really going to need that. And if, <laughs> you know, if shake slips a little bit, then Maxi's probably going to get those minutes. And you don't, I mean, Cork Maz is going to get his minutes too, but how, how would you rank those guys? I'm going to, I'm going to list a few. Give me, how would you rank like how you think Doc will utilize them? I, th- um, I think we're Burkhan, already seeing Maxi, Shake. I think we're already seeing that Matisse. Shake is kind of his guy. Yeah, I haven't even gotten into Matisse yet. We'll we'll get into him after this. Okay, um, so Shake one. Shake yeah. probably one. Cork Maz two. Yep. Um, actually, I'll put Cork Maz at two A and then Maxi at two B. Okay. And depending on they're what, in a tier together. They're in a tier together. And if Maxi improves, because he's going to get added minutes with Korkmaz out. And that's going to lead me into my Thibel prediction. Because <laughs> I have Thibel three, right? I have Thibel in the tier below them. Because he didn't have a it strong... It looks that way, yeah. He didn't have a strong camp because he was injured. And then he came out looking pretty, you know, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't the House of Fire rookie he was last year. And I think... I don't know. Do you do you think maybe that rubbed Doc the wrong way a little bit? Like even, I mean, injury aside, you know. What What do you think rubbed him the wrong way? So I I I don't know. Maybe Doc saw this great kid in Thibel, but then he got to camp and he just he just wasn't that. So maybe not rubbed him the wrong way, but maybe disappointed a little bit and just like where where was the where was the kid that I saw last year that demolished my Clippers team? I don't. I don't necessarily think so. Um, I think it's probably a collaborative. Can I use that word, or do you bleep it out on this audio? No, no, no. no. We 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 let we let words like that fly on this podcast. <laughs> I think it's a collaborative in terms of if you've got if you've got Ben out there, you're really going to need spacing. You want shooters, and at this point, as much as we love Thibel's defense, and you did see him get put in in crunch time for a defensive substitution. Yep. Um, I think it's more just you're going to have to get a more consistent jumper before we can rely on you because otherwise we'll turn to, you know, a bomber. I, I, I would agree with that because, you know, if the three isn't working, then you're just, you're just clogging the lane for Ben and Joe to do their thing. Like if you're not that threatening yeah. – you know, you can jack it up and like, I prefer you jack it up and miss than just like 
do the Josh Richardson thing and not take that shot at all, even though you are uh, wide open. Why did you have to bring that up? I still I have had nightmares. To. I had to. <laughs> those I five, had to. Those five probing dribbles he takes before settling for the long fadeaway. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to trigger anyone's PTSD, but like that's – and I don't want to suggest at all that this is going to happen with Matisse. And I really hope it doesn't, but I just hope he just continues to let it fly and like shake some cobwebs loose or something. Yeah. Um, I think he's one of these guys who has, I mean, you'd love to have him out there cause he's so good on D. So good. Um, but he does have his limitations. Like you can't just put him on Jason Tatum. Like you could Ben Simmons. And we learned that the hard way in the bubble. <laughs> um, but, but worse is his, his elbows look like a butterfly or an eagle yeah. when, he, when he shoots. And so it, while he's still doing that, it's hard to project him for, you know, 37% that you would like. I, I mean, at least, at least Mike Scott has looked much better in the, in the, in the preseason games and the three and the three regular season games so far, at least Mike Scott has looked good. The hive stands, the, the hive is good. We're fine now. Mike, Mike is, was a regression candidate in a good way. Like, he had a down year for him last year. I, he shot weirdly bad. He's not that bad of a shooter. So I think we can fairly expect him to shoot a little bit better this year. I'm still, you know, three games in. I'm not, I'm not panicking. It's three games in. There's some stuff that needs correcting, of course. But... I'm not sitting here saying, oh, the, the Sixers aren't going to be any kind of a contender. Like, I still think they can make the Eastern Conference Finals with this team and this coaching staff. Well, so Harrison Grimm, our guy, he posted something and said, like, what's the ceiling of this team? What did you pick for that? Did you see it? I did. It was like first round, second round, third round finals. In the season roundtable that we all did for Liberty Ballers, um, I had them going – to the Eastern Conference Finals as the number two seed. Okay. okay. I don't think that, and I still believe that, because I don't think Boston did anything extremely drastic that makes them better. I've seen... Right. I've seen they lost some talent. I've seen some games from Miami. I'm not convinced. Okay. I still need to see Brooklyn play an actual NBA team and not like <laughs> a Conference USA team. Wait, they, didn't they play the uh, Celtics? They played the Celtics without Kemba, though. Okay, okay. No Kemba, um, and they're still trying to figure out how their offense works without Gordon Hayward. True, true. So I, I need to see him play a real team before I'm like, okay, Brooklyn seems like a problem. And now that Dinwiddie has been injured, how do you, how do you see the Harden situation impacting the East? Um, well, first of all, I don't, well, first of all, Brooklyn can't make that trade now because they don't have the, they don't have the assets to make it work because they don't have, they don't have the salaries to match because you can't so, trade yeah, an so injured let's player. Let's cross them out. Let's cross them out. Um, honestly, where do you think he goes? And do you think that like dramatically alters the East landscape? I don't think Harden goes anywhere in the East. I honestly don't think oh. the Sixers trade for him. I really don't. What and, about Siakam? Would you trade Siakam for him? If I'm Toronto, like if I'm Masai Ujiri, I would at least I would at least think about it. I don't know if I would necessarily pull the trigger. There was one deal that I was looking at, and I told Tom about this too. But this was you know extracurriculars after the podcast. Um, Denver 
there was rumors about a Denver trade, which sends Harden to Denver, and then Houston gets back Michael Porter Jr., Gary Harris, and yeah, basically anyone but their stars. Basically Ross anyone but basically anyone but Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Yeah. If I'm Houston and that's the best deal I can get, I make that trade. If in season, I make that trade in a heartbeat. Yeah, you're that high on MPJ. I'm listen on the floor. On the floor, I'm not a, I, on the floor. I'm a big fan of MPJ. Off the floor, I think he's crazy. I think I, I hate to say I hate to even put it that way, but there are there's some things up there. There there's some neurons misfiring up there that I'm not too sure about. He also has the, what is it, the drop foot issue? He has to wear something because of the nerve issues from his neck surgery. The drop foot issues. And, like, listen, if you get, I mean, if you're Houston and you get, like, six or seven solid years out of MPJ and you can still kind of build something around him before, you know, his his entire central nervous system shuts down. I mean, oh, I mean, I mean, you have to you have to at least consider it. It was it was just over a year ago. We were saying, can you really get Anthony Davis if the best asset in your package is dealing with blood clots that forced Chris Bosch to retire. Yeah. And now, and now Brandon Ingram looks like no one's really worried about his uh, career trajectory at all. Not worried about Brandon Ingram in the late, in the, in the least. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I'm still, I was definitely still team Ingram in the Ingram Simmons draft. I've been on record in saying this and I've, I've regretted putting my business in the streets like that because god damn it i still have people coming at me saying oh you, you still think simmons is better you still think ingram is better no no i don't so y'all can stop coming into my menchies okay knock it off you guys won take your lap i don't need i don't need to talk to you guys anymore you he, guys could, he could still he could still get there i mean it's not like over they're both like 24 or something you guys won like you, you guys won there's no need to spike the ball that's that's enough are that's you enough. worried are you worried that the heat will acquire harden did the heat have the enough young assets to make it work well if if you're not getting great stuff let's say boston uh the brooklyn has dropped out let's say danny ainge talks about a deal but backs out like always danny ainge is going to be so close to that trade for like, so for like a year and a half, he's going to be so close to making that trade. <laughs> and let's say, let's say like the Bucks offer Middleton and Devin Chesno and stuff. And let's oh say, God. oh let's my God, say you're Masai. making me think about, you're making me, you're really making me think about Giannis Harden, Andrew Holiday on the same team. You're really making me do this right now. I mean, wouldn't you offer that yesterday? If you God, dang it. <laughs> I would offer I you. I would say Drew or Middleton. All the picks we'll ever have, DiVincenzo, uh, or what about the Harrow Robinson Nunn swaps package? If I'm calling, if I'm calling Miami and they don't put Bam in the deal, if I'm Houston, I'm hanging up the phone because there's no point in talking to Miami unless I can get Bam in return. But you'd have to have like you'd have to have like Siakam on your plate to to think that way, right? Because if probably. Yeah. I mean I mean yeah, the the Raptors made a swing and did the Kawhi trade, but 
come on. Did we really think that Siakam was going to become as good as he is? I didn't think that Siakam was capable of that. No. Like, they, they straight up lucked into Siakam. And the problem with trading Siakam for Harden is that it just leaves Harden in a similar situation in like there's nothing around him if it's just Harden and an aging Lowry and Van Fleet on a contract that you know maybe he maybe he performs up to it I'm not really sure I I, I have a tough question for you okay so Luke Maba Amute discovered Joel Embiid his Cameroonian countryman correct are you angry with Joel Embiid for not forcing the Sixers to draft uh, Siakam? I mean... His country. <laughs> I, I mean, how much of that can I really put on Joel? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Right? Like, <laughs> like somebody, was, somebody was not doing their homework that, that year. And Siakam clearly. Siakam clearly tried to trip him badly in, uh, in the playoffs in 2019. Like, that was... Oh, some, my God. That was some brutal <laughs> attack. <laughs> Oh man! Now you got me thinking about those playoffs, the 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 multiple bouncing. Jesus, Dave, you're just gonna you're just gonna anger me for the rest of the week. (laughs) I need to just end this podcast right now before I just start throwing things. All right, let's end on a good note then. What else? Like what's next? Like what's next? You're gonna you're gonna bring up you're gonna bring up the 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 crazy Barkley trade that no right-minded human being would have made. Or, or some Rick Mahorn trade. <laughs> some Rick Mahorn tra- Okay, all right. Okay, I'm done. That's it. Isaiah, Isaiah, That's Joe, it. Isaiah Joe has a chance to get the Furcon minutes. True or false? True. Okay, that would be exciting. Some. He has a chance to get some of the minutes if it's yeah, only yeah. like three or four in garbage time. Sure. Have you, seen, have you seen him play in any of the garbage time yet? What did you think? Or- you know, there was, there was that concern – where they thought his um his form was completely different but then he just came back like a couple shots later and it was fine i i don't know what that was is it like a false thing it was like a false thing but it, it's the the second time or the the few shots afterwards it looked normal so i'm not worried about it huh so it changed for a little while i, I didn't know that for literally like a shot or two but then he just got back to form like i don't know what i don't know what happens to these guys like, like a full hit, summer league thing they hit the league and it's just like they figure they feel they have to change everything like i don't just no do what you did in college i mean the one thing you could have said is like okay i don't know if he can dribble pass defend but he can shoot he can shoot and so, so just, i think as a coach you might be like yeah let me, t- let me roll the dice on this guy. No, no, don't, no, no rolling the dice. Just put him out there. Let's see. Put him out there. Let the man shoot. Just let him yeah. jack it up from 40. Who cares? Yeah. If you're up 30 points, just let him, just let him go out there and get shots up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the Suns basically took that with, what was the player they took like 10th overall? Cam. Uh, Cam Johnson. Yeah. Cam Johnson. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, I don't, I don't know what good note that we can end on other than the fact that the, the Sixers have an A-plus epic coaching staff and the fact that, hey, they're 2-1 and one and the spacing, the offense looks so much better. Those are good notes. So thank I, you, Sam Cassell. I have, a, <laughs> I have a good note, too. I was excited to see that Joel did not play in the second of a back-to-back. Yeah, that was encouraging. I, I, I'm it was. It would have been better if we won that game, but you know what? I'm I'm down with just keeping JoJo fresh. That's. Fine. I'm down with keeping him fresh. We saw JoJo just go ballistic early 
2018, uh, late 2018, in the 2018-2019 season. And I'm, prolific, I'm fine with that. I'm but he was hurt. That. Then he got hurt. So I conserved the big man. Like, like he's never going to win MVP because he doesn't play enough. So why are you going to tax him so much? Just go for finals MVP and we'll all be happy. Exactly. Finals MVP and at the head of the championship parade. That's all let, we need from you, Joe. You get, you get two and let Ben get one and we'll call it a day. We'll call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dave, appreciate having you on was awesome talking to you about you know the 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 clutch city which you know what they have elijah on they have we have Embiid who is our elijah on they have ben simmons who's I mean, there's really no there's no comp there there's no Ori, comp Ori there slash otis thorpe slash clyde drexler <laughs> maybe otis thorpe perhaps yeah uh, we, we have some decent guards that remind me of those 94, 95 rockets. Like I'm in on this parallel now. Yeah, we, we, um, we're not quite there. I mean, they had Kenny Smith who could shoot. They had Cassell who could create and shoot. They had Vernon Maxwell. Who shake. And then they had Clyde Drexler at hall of famer. So we're, we're, we, we might be one piece away, but. <laughs> notice we, how, we can get there we can get there notice how none of us could draw a tobias harris comp to that roster either by the bro, way. bro this is the <laughs> first time we even mentioned him so that that lets you know where our headspace is at <laughs> dave tell the people where they can find you on social media all your work other other hint hint wink wink podcast on the network that you might be part of um david early on twitter at david early like early morning uh i'd make a joke but i've heard them all so and uh yeah i'll write for liberty ballers and um that's about it i appreciate you having me this is a lot of fun anytime every time dave love having you on appreciate it all right man have a good week happy new year if i don't talk to you before then happy new year merry holidays go sixers merry new year (laughs) um hopefully 2021 doesn't suck half as bad as 2020 but we'll see (laughs) but we'll see it can't get i you know what i'm hesitant to say that it can't get any worse because god damn it yes it can Jalen Hurts looks good. How about that? Uh, let's not talk about the Eagles. Like, All right. Let's, let's not until I get that nice news bulletin across my Twitter feed that Howie Roseman has been fired. Let's just oh, come on. Give, him, the man, wait on give that. him the man his championship grace period. <laughs> let's just wait on that. Listen, they're not giving Doug Peterson his championship grace period. <laughs> Why does Howie deserve one and Doug? No, we're not doing that. <laughs> you wouldn't like to have A.J. Brown? Metcalf? <laughs> I, I would love to have DK Metcalf or AJ Brown or Justin Jefferson or any of the other wide receivers that he, uh, that he, oh God, now my head hurts. <laughs> ah, that, All right, man. Appreciate you as always, Dave. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon. have always needed customers so customer engagement has always been a thing you know steak dinners golf in-person handshakes not exactly efficient though but thanks to zoom info 
times have changed. Now you can engage with the right customers across all channels and grow your business efficiently and effectively, all from one platform. Sorry, steak dinner guy. We've got work to do. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at zoominfo.com. Zoom Info, how business goes to market.